Welcome to Shh, We're Reading Dirty Books. This is Kalina. And this is Saylet. And we're happy to have you guys back with us for another episode of uh, our Paranormal Romance Review Podcast. Today we're going to be doing something a little different. We have author Bernadette Marie with us, and we're going to be reviewing The Happily Ever After Bookstore, which is her newest book just out in uh, June. And it's not fully paranormal, but I think we can make an argument that there's a little bit of magic in this book. There's some magic, <laughs> definitely. So it's not our, it's not typical. It's not like everything else we've re- read, but it's, it is, it does fit into our category if we, mm-hmm. if we argue our point. So <laughs> yeah. So thank you and welcome, Bernadette. Thank you guys for having me. This is exciting. Yeah. So I guess we can start off with a quickie. Mm -hmm. This is one of the segments that we do to open up our episodes. And what it is, is just a question that we ask ourselves just real quick that has something to do with the book. So for this one is if you had to choose between a handyman, a musician, or a barista, which would you choose? Bernadette, we'll let you go first. Um, Mine would be the handyman. I probably because... He's not my, my, my <laughs> he's become more handy, but um, I think I do draw to that more rugged, you know, not always what we bring home, mm-hmm. but that's what I draw to is that rugged, <laughs> you know, hands-on callous finger work boot guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Nice. That's also my pick. It's just super nice to have someone who can like go up on the roof to start the swamp cooler <laughs> as opposed to having to call someone. So there's definitely like I can make coffee. Sorry, but <laughs> <laughs> so just out of those three professions, I like I like the handyman too. Yeah, I I'm gonna have to third that. <laughs> it's we're all gonna be in agreement here. I mean, I've never had a barista, so I don't I don't never dated one before. I have dated a musician before, but all of those reasons you guys just listed. But I think my number one reason for a handyman is those goddamn jeans. <laughs> <laughs> They do Why? look good. <laughs> they look every single one of them. Whenever I drive by a construction site, I'm looking at jeans. That's all I want to see. It's them wearing their jeans. jeans. I don't know what it is. It's just something so sexy about that. But yeah. <laughs> well, good. Awesome. Bernadette, let's start with an introduction to you. Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got started with writing? Sure. Yeah. It's like, I got to think now. What do I want to say? <laughs> um, so I've been writing like most authors since I was 13 years old. I was in the era of the miniseries on TV and those first book adaptations that became seven hour movies. And that's just where I totally fell in love with storytelling. The Thornbirds and If Tomorrow Comes by Sidney Sheldon, those were just, you know, I'd watch those on replay once I got them videotaped. And that's just kind of where my whole life of writing started because then I realized, oh, I could write a book and it become a movie. And so uh, it was middle school that my girlfriends and I had notebooks where we wrote letters back and forth to one another in characters. And so (laughs) I still have all of these books. And mine, then I took that and I wrote her story, if you will. And it was this long, like 200,000 word tragic love story from somebody who knew (laughs) nothing about love. But um, I wrote that for like 22 years. And when I finally started to do a lot of reading, because I didn't read either because I didn't want to lift something, you know, there's this whole mm. thought process. And so I didn't do a whole lot of reading. And it wasn't until I started to read and absorb the genre that I'm like, I like Happily Ever After. And this 
tragic love story stuff sucks for me. So I gave it an ending I liked, and then I started writing Happily Ever After, and that's where I have found my home. It's my slogan, um, Happily Ever After Always. It's promised. It's a given. So the reviews that come back and go, this was predictable. Totally, it's in my slogan. But anyway... (laughs) So that's that's where I started. Um, I was first published in 2010 by a small press that just really didn't have a good background. And I'm such a serial entrepreneur. I was like, I can do this myself. And that was just about the time it was all taking off to do independent. I opened my own publishing house, began to publish myself. And the Happily Ever Bookstore is my 51st novel that I have published of mine. And then I think I have 150 other books from other authors that I have published as well. So that was my journey because I didn't deal with my damn self. (laughs) (laughs) That is incredible. Yeah, I I don't think I knew you had 50 (laughs) books. Um, And they are all happily ever after, you know. That's so cool. Thank you. For those of you just listening, Colleen and I have a really big surprised O face on our faces. (laughs) That's so amazing. Thank you. Yeah, that's yeah, that's really awesome. So what made you write this book with the three separate love stories in the one book? And all kind of anchored around this store, the Happily Ever After bookstore. You know, this book, I think, came kind of to light once I I got back into reading again. It's so hard. If I'm sitting, I don't want to be reading. I want to be writing because I'm addicted to my passion of what I do. Um, so then I've, I've really got back into reading again. And this is probably the first one I've really written to market, if you will, taking what's out there and developing from it. The whole turning into three different stories, thats you'll hear authors say that the characters wrote the book and I had no control. It's exactly what happened. I had no idea that that was how this was going to play out. I think perhaps early on when I decided we were going to do this bookstore, because I mean, who doesn't want a romance bookstore, right? And I mean, it's not all, all I want. But totally. It, it sounds perfect. So um, I think in my when I first started, I kind of had it thought, well, maybe this could be a series and this could be people come to the bookstore and everybody have their own book. But it just it just kind of turned out that it became this quick love or the second, you know, love and it just brought it together. And then the, the women combined and it just worked out that way. But like authors will say, oh, they told their own story. And that's how it became three in one. <laughs> I don't know that I planned it really to be quite that. It, I mean, it works. And I, the theme that you've created there, just like you said, of the quick love seems to be, I mean, I'm all for it. The, there's a line in there that I think either Charlie or Sadie says in the first story where they talk about you just know when you yeah. know that you fall in love. Is that is that a personal thing? Like, have you experienced that yourself? Is that something you truly believe your own philosophy or you just decided, hey, this will be fun to write within three stories? Um. <laughs> One thing about all 51 of my books, they are all dedicated to the same person, which is my husband. And this one specifically yes. <laughs> says, and I have it, hold on, let me read it. Let me read it verbatim. It says, <laughs> um, sometimes you meet someone in August, fall in love in October and are engaged by January. So that was our love story. And we were 18. We were so smart. We knew everything. <laughs> um, <laughs> So we were, I met him in August. We were totally together by October, engaged by January. It was like two more years before we finally got married. But uh, it, I totally believe in it because I think that if you're open to it, you know, you absolutely know that this is 
somebody I want to get to know for the rest of my life. And in a quick love trope in that kind of sense, that's really the belief, I think. And I think that they say that too. Every day we get to learn about each other and people who are together for years, that's all they're doing anyway. You know, they're Mm -hmm. still got that commitment or whatever, but we're going to do it on a daily basis. And even so funny, we've been married, well, we've been together for 30 years. And the other day he told me some story about some girl pinching his butt in in high school, (laughs) maybe it was middle school when they went to like an amusement park in Texas. I'm like, I've never heard this story. So we have gotten mileage out of it for the last couple months. And he's like, I can't believe out of all these years, you don't know that story. I'm like, never heard it. So I think that even, even 30 years later, you're still learning this person you've chosen to spend your life with and bring people into the world with. So I totally believe in that quick love. And I sometimes think that those are the people that have it figured out because then that first fight's going to happen. You got to work through that because you've already committed to that person and it's not a walk away situation. And I think some of us that draw out those courtships, there's always that, well, just in case, maybe, just in case, maybe, you know? (laughs) So I do believe in quick love. I think it's there. That's awesome. I, and I knew I felt some type of kinship with you because I fall into that category too. My husband and I've been together for 20 years, married 18 years, and we got married at 19 and 20. Mm -hmm. So we were very young and all of that too. And, and I, I mean, Kalina knows this, obviously we do this together, but in almost all these books that have that quick love, like that's my, my mantra. I'm like, you just know when you know, even if it's within such a short amount yeah, of time. Yeah, I agree. Oh, I, agree. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> so that actually then sort of goes on to our next question, which is, do you build these characters off of people that you know? And is it hard to write sometimes? Well, especially if they take off and tell their own story. <laughs> Yes. Like if it's based on a person and all of a sudden the character's off doing something, you're like, whoa, I didn't intend for that to happen. (laughs) I don't know that I ever um, base characters off of specific people, maybe stereotypes of people. Over the last six or seven years, I've become really apt at making it a game of putting personalities into people though. So it may not be that this person was meant to be a certain person, but maybe they have this attribute of somebody else that I love, or they have this little thing to the point where, because when I first started writing, I'm like, oh, that is not going to happen. Nobody's going to have the name of anybody I know. We're not going to put these in any place that anybody knows, and we're not going to give them any of these personality traits. And it was my matchmakers series where the guy is in a car, he's watching the galley's piece of PI and he throws his water bottle in the backseat of the car. And I'm like, oh my God, my husband just jumped into this book. You know, it was like <laughs> that have become now things that people are like, that is so person, that's so humanizing of these characters. And it's those little traits now that people are looking for. So I've even started to, as I put in personal traits of people or things that are mine that are now in books, I use Scrivener and I have a whole little side thing, personal effects that I've put in books because next year, part of my marketing plan um, with my, my readers will be to have like one or not one-on-ones, but have, you know, live conversations with them where I'm like, okay, we're going to take this. This is my favorite pizza. And it's in this book. It's in this book. It's in this book. This is where (laughs) this came from. And I think that then that will just even make it more personal that these people are, you know, humorous. But I don't think I actually set out, like I said, to to say this is this person is going to be in this book. Mm-hmm. My the one I'm working on right now, or it was the one before it. 
I've got a trilogy that's coming out, but I've actually started to put real people in a friend that's another author. I've put his name in there, things <laughs> like that. The potato book that I mentioned in Happily Ever Bookstore mm-hmm. is actually a potato cookbook written by a Northern Colorado writer um, who had happened to send me a book. And I'm like, I'll just write that in there. So she's, <laughs> amazing. Awesome. so those are those little things like that are in there, but as the characters themselves, no, they're not really anybody. And they tell their own story, whoever they are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So it sounds like your story kind of, or at least you maybe um, identify a little bit more with Charlie and Sadie with the quick love, young love. I think there's a bit of me in all of them. A bit of, oh, Definitely okay. with um, Charlie and Sadie where that quick love, the warm family specifically on his side, it's on my side in, in real life, but those family values, that kind of stuff. I do think we have a whole lot of um, Fiona and Price as well. You know, we did years of infertility and things like that before we got our beautiful, huge family. Um, so I think that their losses are, you know, reflective of what we went through. And then uh, Leona and John, they're just, I don't know, they're just cute. <laughs> They are. They are. I think some of our banter definitely goes in there, you know, where Uh we feed off of each other's um, attitudes, if you will, kind of like they do in the beginning where they they maybe not just hit it right off. So I think that Mm -hmm. there's probably a little piece of um, all of us, but definitely that love at first sight kind of. I remember always telling him we'd, we'd met our introduction with all of maybe 30 seconds, but I remember he's long gone and we had an event that night in the college and nobody was around. I'm like, Oh, I could call that guy. So there was that whole moment of I'm already comfortable enough to think, Oh, I could just call that guy. I met yeah. because I'm so smart at 19, um, <laughs> you know, but it was there already. So you knew that that was mm-hmm. embedded in there. So I think that, yeah, I probably do associate with them quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah, because in the in the first story, that's kind of like Sadie just going upstairs that that first night. She's like, "I'm just gonna go see if Charlie does live upstairs." And mm-hmm. I mean, there's a that's a pretty big step to just take on, you know, the on marriage, there, yeah, kind of a date. <laughs> yeah, so I can see that. Yeah, and that's showing up in these books. Well, I think that the three stories were just really beautiful and tied together in such a neat way. I cried through the whole book. (laughs) Pretty much. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it really did. It was super touching. And I love that it all ties back to an even older love story. It all ties back to Charlie and Ellen, the grandparents, their first love story and their quick love story. And that's it's in a book that Fiona wrote and everybody reads and, you know, Leona sells and all of these pieces um, are just intertwined together. I think that makes it a really fun place that I wish existed. And I know you don't name the town, but is this like, (laughs) is this a town that we know that's somewhere here in Colorado? (laughs) I don't know that it is, but um, kind of, I know you guys did uh, the tea shop that I wrote (laughs) and that was set in Golden, in the older part of Golden. And I think in my head, it still has kind of that same feel, that street. But no, I don't know that I have it really set anywhere. Um, in my mind, it's like this street has the coffee shop. It has the bookstore. The houses are, you know, little houses that trickle around the neighborhood or, you know, the, the city. But yeah, no, this one, not 
specific, whereas I really have actually started setting so many more of my books in the Denver metropolitan area, Boulder and all of that, and putting in those personal pieces of houses that, you know, my grandparents grew up in, and those are the memories that I draw from. So I've started Mm -hmm. that, but like specifically this one, yeah, no, it's just in some town somewhere. (laughs) It's a really great town and I want to find it. It is. We always talk in all of the three books, the five stories that we read from you, Uh they have always been, why don't we live here? (laughs) Why don't we have a tea shop? Why don't we have a bookstore? Why is this not happening? Well, I'm glad to hear that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, except for, yeah, not so much the last goodbye. We, you know, I love that story, but we didn't really want to start a mortuary because of that. (laughs) Okay, not all of them then. But definitely the bookstore and the tea shop. <laughs> but see, there was a happily ever after at the mortuary. <laughs> yes, yes. And it was beautiful. I love that. It was a beautiful yeah. story, too. Just that <laughs> one, yeah. It's not obvious anywhere, no. Oh my god! Uh, but speaking of then of the the books and the characters, do you have a particular favorite, either couple or guy, girl, or you know, story? Like which which are your favorites out of the out of this book specifically? This book or, out of this book, yeah. This book? I really do think I like I like John and Leona, and I don't know that I knew I would. I think she just deserved that happily ever after, not more than anybody else, but to finally get a piece of it. You know, the other two are young. The others had it, even if they lost it, she'd never even had it. So for some reason, I think I just connect with her more in that sense that that couple might be my favorite. Because they have a lot of things they're going to overcome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot happening for that, you know, the the, the flood and like buying a, buying the property and just there was, you know, a lot of drama, like one right after another, things right. falling into place for them to, to things to overcome before they could finally get together. And right. Even right. that very end scene where he still hadn't really explained the whole Amber thing or that he had children. Yeah. <laughs> And they just like walk into the the store and I'm like, oh no, that's a surprise. (laughs) I think that it's just such a male thing, excuse me, air quotes, you know, (laughs) to, you know, I'll get to that. I'll get to that. I'll, I'll let her know that. We'll, we'll talk about that, you know, (laughs) just, (laughs) and I say that because I live with so many of them. And you have, can you remind us again, or not remind us, but um, we know a little bit about you because we've read about you, but you have how many grown sons? I have five. The oldest is 24. The youngest is 17. Wow. So I've lived a lot of noisy days. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I have two. So they're still young, but I'm sure that's, that's coming. (laughs) They're they're noisy already. (laughs) They are. They are. So, yeah, I think it was interesting because even um, in that story with Leona and John, he'd already told his parents that he was in love again and that he Mm. wanted to marry Leona. And he had not told her yet that he had kids (laughs) and that like what had happened, like his history, his story. Right. Right. And just that's a wild thing. (laughs) Well, I think at some some point he was just like, I'll let her form her own opinion of me. And I'm like, that's something you should say up front. Like, (laughs) I kind of feel like that's re- like that's vital to who you are as a person, and if you want her to be part of your life, like that's that's just not something you could throw in the mix. You, <laughs> like, <they're> so right- <laughs> I kind of you know I I see a little you know I more relate to Leona. I'm almost forty. I'm single, dating, and I can guarantee you that if I show up on a date. <laughs> 
out of like the out of one of the apps that I'm trying and two, three, four days later, all of a sudden he has children that was not mentioned in the first couple. There's going to be, I don't think I'm going to be as forgiving as Leona is. I think it was yeah. really leading to his aloofness of just his, you know, that personality. Oh yeah. And uh, yeah, it, I'm not even sure to, to totally be honest because they write their own story that, mm-hmm. you know, when I went to write John, I knew that that's where he was going either, you know? Mm-hmm. So he was keeping secrets for me. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I think it also speaks to how he was dealing with his loss, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. it did seem like he had kind of changed a bit, you know, focused more. Obviously, he has to focus on his family, on his kids, and putting his energy there. So it did feel as if his personality had gotten a little closed off and more private. Right. And he wasn't prepared to all of a sudden be in love and ready to to move forward. So it kind of because then by the end of the uh, of their story, he has taken on a different kind of personality. Like his personality has kind of grown. He's warmed up. He's kind of emerged from that pain and cocoon he had put in himself into after the loss of his wife, and was you know ready to reengage with the world and be in love with Leona. So I, I can see that. I mean, it makes sense. Right. It's just it was it was like the whole time I'm like, oh, John. <laughs> fire here friend (laughs) you're you're very lucky she's forgiving on this (laughs) first she wasn't she's just like i mean she's attacking books throwing them in boxes and stuff because she's pissed (laughs) which hits us all right don't do that to that book (laughs) yeah i know not the poor books (laughs) well they were already all wet and drowned from the flood that was a heart that heart that heartbreaking i had a flood that that flooded my bookshelves and i so that took me right back to like losing all those books. And I was like, ah, oh, so upsetting. <laughs> I think that's part of why I really love this book too. And I, it makes sense when you say that this is one of the first ones you wrote, kind of looking out at what is happening in the writing sphere right now, because there's so many, especially in the romance genre of, it's almost becoming kind of like a inside circle where readers want to see the stories about the reader about other readers about other bookworms like we got Sadie who's obviously you know a bookworm just like the rest of us Fiona's the the romance author it takes place in a bookstore there's just so much that that is almost our our fandom yes. right it's not it's specific to people who are bookworms <laughs> and, and so we're like yes talk more about us and show us and, and like all the book <laughs> shit that we love like going to signings and the candles that smell like books or the the bookmarks the stuff you sell like that are tangential to books I love seeing those stuff pop up in stories because it does feel like it's putting me into the book itself so oh, I appreciated that <laughs> oh I love that I love that so what um you say you're getting back into reading what do you what do you like to read what are you reading now I am never one to follow a trend but I did the whole whatever's on TikTok thing and um, <laughs> yeah. you know I fell into the love hypothesis and went oh my god I don't like first uh nar- first person narrative and things like that and I have found that it's now done very well. So in the time frame of me not reading things, this is what has probably changed in in a very good way. Um, it was just written so well. I just started to absolutely absorb um, these books that are, you know, started with the love hypothesis. I read her next novellas and then just whatever was hot that next minute, then I was just picking it off and even have fallen down the whole tunnel of uh, Lynn Painter 
her um, Better Than the Movies, which was YA, but I'd read Mr. Wrong Number and I was like so in love with it. I just picked up the next book that had her name on it, did not read the back, did not know it was YA, and I don't read YA. And now <laughs> that has become my number one favorite book of all year. It's the one that I keep oh, wow. thinking of and going back to. And you're just like, Wes and Liz are awesome. You know, and I'm like, they're teenagers. <laughs> it's weird. But it's really opened my eyes to see what's out there. It's kind of changed how I've started to to write. I mean, I think I'm very solid in my voice, but now adding certain things, I'm finding a whole lot of fun in in changing it up just a little bit. Um, I have a Christmas novella that I'm writing right now that I'm trying to write in that first person, which is not my not my native language, if you will. Um, yeah. So that's an interesting little twist. And I'm like, well, for 20,000 words, we can play with that. Um, but yeah, I'm so I did. I just kind of started down that TikTok trail and <laughs> see what everybody's talking about. Yeah, it's because it's really blown up. Book talk has really yeah. blown up in the books that you are seeing recommended. They're just everywhere. And it's beca- it's really taking off, which is fun as as a reader. I like to see yeah. a lot more book centered, you know, social media, book centered discussions. Like I'm in so many Facebook groups for book for readers. And <laughs> I think that's it's a wonderful place. I think more people need to read. <laughs> I think so. And it's what I didn't know. I mean, you know, I know there's a fandom. I know, you know, like you said, taking those of us who like to read and putting them in a book and those the little things like the candles or the bookmarks or meeting somebody that's so real. What I think is, um, I just lost my train of thought. Oh my gosh. <laughs> really poignant too. It, it really had a point. Um, yeah. Well, maybe it'll come back. <laughs> oh my gosh that's okay yeah um something i wanted to bring up was throughout these three stories i think and especially really in the, the first story with uh charlie and sadie they at some point talk about how they as they're getting to know each other shouldn't speak negatively about themselves so that they can have this positivity for starting a new relationship this friendship or whatever that's starting between them and i really love that you bring in these really that's just one example of personal aspects that you bring into these stories so like that one in particular is a beautiful one thank you care about yourself talk positive about yourself as you're building this relationship with somebody else you know so we have to have this thought of that and then you have all these like the personal stories between price and fiona which i absolutely resonate so going back a little bit about speaking about who you know our favorites and stuff i love leona and john's story that one's probably my favorite but i think my life resonates a little bit more with fiona and price because my husband and i went through infertility problems for 10 years when we first got married and we did in vitro we now have twin boys and so like everything is just it has fallen into place and it's really great we've had a loss and and things like that so I was crying the entire time so (laughs) it's I mean especially like a little bit here and there for the first story but as soon as we started talking about sonograms and like loss of the babies and and then the second chances and things that they got I was done I was I had to, I was reading this laying down and I had to sit up because I was literally choking on my tears. 
<laughs> but I love that you pull in these personal aspects of it. And again, I don't want to just be like, hey, are those personal feelings and personal? You've already talked about any of that stuff or all of that stuff. But is there one in particular that you like messages in particular that it is that you want to send out to people? I mean, because these are real life versus what happens in the normal paranormal that we read. Right. So I've really been working a lot. The last, this would be now the last six books that I've done have had a mental health focus. Mm-hmm. And I just, I really embrace right now the, um, the kids that are, you know, teenagers and early twenties have a whole different mentality on mental health than what we were taught. You know, I am of the generation of get up, pull, pull your britches up and go. I was raised by that dad of don't cry, don't cry, because he was not allowed to have emotion. Even though I was allowed to have it, it was just keep going. You can get this. And my kids are being brought up with, let's find some help. I need some help. I need to talk to somebody. So I see them in a whole different light. And my son that you have met, um, Anthony, he, I can't get a picture of this kid to save my soul that he's smiling. He's not making some stupid face. And I'm like, (laughs) okay, I'm never going to have a picture of you. That's normal because I don't take myself seriously. Just deadpan. I don't take myself seriously. And I'm like, and you're okay with that? He goes, yeah, why should I? And I'm just like, I wish I had that. I'm so serious that I'm like, oh, I need to make sure everything's in order just to do a podcast because I know you're looking at me. You know what I mean? So I try to embrace what they have in their mental health bucket and try and share that. So my last series, The Funerals and Weddings, was heavily based on everybody had a therapist. Everybody had some trauma. Mm. Everybody got, you know, not got over that. Everybody works through it. You're never over it. Um, same in this. Be positive to yourself. It is hard for me, but I try to stand in the mirror and look at the body that gave life to five kids. You know what? That's awesome. That's quite a miracle of things that I've done. <laughs> and I'm not the only person out of shape in the world. It's not an out of shape. I'm in this shape. Let's put it that way. Because, yeah. you know, especially with social media in our lives, we are all looking at these airbrushed, everybody's perfect. And I just applaud the people who, here I am, no makeup, here I am in a bikini, and I have a muffin top, and I have stretch marks, and I'm like, you are my heroes. And so if I can carry that through fictional people that people fall in love with, maybe they'll take that little piece, you know, like, let's only reaffirm positive things about ourselves, you know, let's hang those losses on the wall so that they're remind, remembered always because they were part of our journey of who we are now, things like that. So I really think I'm trying to take that message into my books, fictional, humorous, whatever. And it carries on into what I'm working on now that there's just that little bit of friendships are important and checking in with yourself and keeping relevant to what's going on around you is is important and it is okay to ask for help. It's okay even to get that ride home from a restaurant when you've had too many drinks. It's okay to lean on somebody. So hopefully that does come across and it kind of sounds like maybe I'm I'm making it. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Oh good. Definitely. I think you are reaching a range of different ages in your your writing. So if for your young readers, this is something that maybe they are already experiencing and understand so they relate to it right. in a beautiful way. And then, you know, 
we're of that same era that you come from. Just you scrape your knees, just get up, dust it off, and then stop crying about it. Just move on. But that's also a lesson for us to learn reading these books is that it's okay to sit and cry. It's okay to have emotions. It's okay for us. Even at 40, we can still, we can do that. It's not too late to be able to express those emotions. So I think it does come out in your pages. I think it's a beautiful thing. And and you do it so gracefully. Your writing is so wonderful. Thank you. I appreciate it. I mean, Colleen and I read these books. We want the ranch. We want the sex. We want all that. But then we get the sweet love, like the sweet romance that you, and it's, it's a door, like we're texting each other while we're reading this and we're like, I'm crying. (laughs) That's what made me cry. It's just warm. Like Mm -hmm. these stories are just warm in a way that some of them, you smuttier books we read aren't warm. (laughs) They're lovely and we love them, but you know. There's there's a warmth to this, and there's something a little bit more realistic too. I think. I'm, yeah. I mean, obviously, we read you know about vampires and werewolves, which <laughs> couldn't be further from reality. <laughs> but you know, so the, there's it's nice to check in on a book like this and then get that fuzzy warm hug. Um, I think a lot of what you're just talking about with like the mental health we can see, especially in um, Sadie, with her mom obviously is depressed. Like that's. She seems to have been so since the dad left and it it has something that she was never, it doesn't look like at least the little bit we get in the story that she was able to pull herself out of. And so that's Sadie's blueprint. That's all she's seen. And so she used, she seems to use books as a way to help her find a different way to navigate uh, life. But even when we meet her, she's in like she's on the edge of being, I think, in a dark place. She's lost her job. It's dark. It's winter time. She doesn't, she's not in a relationship. Things are looking a little bit gloomy for her. And, you know, showing her reaching out to Charles as they start to meet and talk and immediately being up to going and, you know, meeting his grandparents and accepting that family that she really never had. But now she gets to pick a family and she gets to join Charles in her in his like nice warm family unit is really interesting. And it's a nice way to tell that story of, you know, you don't know what other people are going through. And like she seemed all happy on the surface, but underneath, like Leona kind of took Charles aside and told him what was kind of going on with her. And so when you meet people in this world, kind of keep that in mind. You don't know what they're, they're experiencing right now. And maybe they just need a friend. Right. Which is, you know, grandma Ellen's thing. It's nice to Mm -hmm. have a friend. Even if you have dementia, it's good to meet a friend every day. (laughs) Same friend. Absolutely. Thank yeah. you for all of that. That makes me feel good, especially reading, you know, these book talk hits where <laughs> I'm like, oh, I I, I want to try and put some of that in my books. And this one, I cannot say that I meant it to absolutely be so saccharine sweet. <laughs> but down the line, I took the one word of hell out somewhere because I'm like, well, it is so sweet. We better just take that out and market it. Right? <laughs> you know, But it's good to know that with everything that's out there, that the warmth is is still something that people appreciate. So mm-hmm. I do appreciate all those kinds. <laughs> <laughs> it's messages that we need to keep hearing over and over because anymore, everybody is just so mean to each other. And I, I mean, that's the nice way of putting right. it, but we've forgotten that we are all the same. Yes, exactly. We were in Disney World last week and my 18-year-old I'm small world. It is my my mantra, (laughs) my word. I draw the figures. I love it. And my 18-year-old who rides this stupid ride because mom asks him to, gets off the ride, 
we'd had a, a gentleman behind us explaining the ride to his younger children. And uh, he gets off the ride and he goes, I understand this ride now. It's a small world and everyone's the same. And I'm just like, yes, honey, that is exactly <laughs> what it's all about. But you know, even at 18, he's blindsided by all of the negative and all of the stuff and yeah. him to just be like, I get it. I'm like, all right. <laughs> you know, so yeah, it, it happens at any age. <laughs> totally. Yeah. That's our PSA for the episode. Everybody go ride the small world ride. Get it. Figure it out. Go, go, figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> We're all the same. We all feel these things and we all need the same stuff. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter who you are. <laughs> yep, absolutely. That's funny. Yeah. Um, well, I guess before we give you the floor, for, uh, so typically for our interviews, we do the fun fuck fact. And that's when we give you the floor to promote yourself and talk about anything, anything that you want. Did you have any questions for us? And it's okay if you don't. I don't know. I didn't think <laughs> that far. I remember now the other part that I was... Remember that big thing? I ah, yes. <laughs> Through all of this, I didn't realize that book lovers are so passionate where they highlight the book and all of the pictures they draw in the margins and all of the post-it notes. I'm like, I am just obsessed now with watching people read books on like book talk and on Instagram because of what they do to the book. And I'm just like, oh, the coolest oh. thing I've ever seen. Because I do that with, my mom gave me that um, Hoda Copy book that's like a, it's like a, a quote every day to okay. kind of focus on. And so she read it and she gave it to me. So what I started doing is every day I open it up, I read it, and then I write something in there about how that quote resonates with me or what I think with the intent that next year I'll give it to my sister. And the next year I'll give it to my uh, son's girlfriend and that kind of stuff. So, mm -hmm. so I see these books and they're just all done up. And I'm like, oh, that is the coolest thing to an author ever. So that was my big revelation that I'd lost earlier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been seeing that it, like in a lot of the book groups that I'm in, they just like they annotate and they... Yes. They have the different colored flags for, they flag different things. And it's just, I read so much electronically that, and do, well, we do mostly audio for this podcast. If we can, if we can get them just, you know, it's hard with, uh, you know, jobs it's me. and kids. And it's me. It is. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a terribly slow reader, so it's hard. Yeah. So I just was like, wow. I mean, in the eBooks we'll highlight and we'll leave, especially for um, when we're reading for the podcast, we leave each other notes because we share we share an ebook account that allows us to you know because then we can like be like oh I thought about this for you know this sec segment or we need to make sure we talk about this so that's handy but I've never done that as a reader myself so it's been really interesting to watch like that other people do that I just read so fast that I'd be like I wouldn't have time to do that <laughs> I got to get to the next page. <laughs> Yeah, I think it, I've even started to do that with this book specifically when I got my ARC copies. I started to go through with a highlighter and highlight passages that, you know, I try to do that while I'm writing it. I'll take out quote passages or something that I'm like, oh, I'm so cool and clever. Look at that, right? <laughs> but, um, often you're just in such a mode and then now going back through, I'm like, oh, this is a good thing and this is nice. And so I'm even doing that with my own book, just kind of pulling those out to things that resonate with me or carry me to some other book project that I might do later, you know, mm -hmm. but it's kind of fun. I love watching those. That's so cool. What is, I, this is not, this is completely out of left field, but what is Charlie going to do now that he's graduated? What's his life plan? 
Because he wasn't quite sure in the book. He was he was like, I'm getting my master's in business. He's getting his MBA. But then he was like, I just want to keep working at the coffee shop, which is also cool. But now that he's got his MBA, what's he doing? <laughs> I really think in my head down the line, the thought process is, is that since the couple is older that owns the coffee shop, he would eventually own the coffee shop. So I okay. kind of think that that's where my my mindset was going because he's happy with where he's at and what he's doing, mm-hmm. you know, and it's a business. And I kind of think Sadie sort of... I don't think she ever comes out to say that, but I do think she just kind of leads him to, well, this is a good place. Stay here. And those things in my head, (laughs) that's where he would end up. (laughs) Cool. I like that. Yeah. (laughs) That's a good closure to that, I think, because there were, when you left us hanging about what happened to Stacy until towards the very end, it had me going crazy. Is that her name? (laughs) I don't know. The the wife. The wife. The wife that, that John's wife. wife. So yeah, there were, I mean, you closed that in the book, so we don't have to talk about that, but there were some points where you're just like, uh, what's the, yeah, that's exactly, I thought she was going to pop up at the home. I mean, not, I mean, I was like, that's a nursing home, so maybe not, but I thought maybe she had something else. And, um, I don't know. I thought it was brilliant. It had me on my toes. Oh, good. (laughs) (laughs) While she was crying, she was still waiting. Yeah. Oh, man, I was. (laughs) I was gone. I was gone. I was gone for that. <laughs> and, and maybe it's a bad thing that authors are like, yeah. No, I think that's good because you want to emit those emotions from your readers, right? Like all of them. You want to hit every single rainbow of emotions that you can from us. And you did. Oh, good. Well, and there's a plenty of readers who seek out like mm. books. They're like, I need to cry. Give me a book that, you know, is going <laughs> to wreck me. <laughs> and we all come along with like, well, this book destroyed me. Here you go. <laughs> I, I, you know, in in my marketing, I always say that I'm the antidote to anything heavy you've read. Yeah. So I'm a quick read. I'm usually around a three to four hour read. You're absolutely guaranteed the happily ever after, no matter what you feel about that. It's in there. So, mm-hmm. you know, even kind of one of the very first reviews I got on this book went to an ARC reader who in it is specified, this is totally clean. There is no sex. There is no cussing. There is none of this. And it's a three-star review. She really liked the book, but it wasn't dirty like the ones she likes. I saw that. And I was like, yeah, no. it says it's not like at the very top. So I was just like, you know, I don't read into reviews because some, some of my three-star and two-star and one-star reviews are better than the five-star. Yay, it was great. So, you know. And everyone, like, she, I remember reading that, especially because she was like, I really liked this book, but it's three stars. And I'm like, oh, man, we are, like, I, I know we're overly generous, but, like, nothing <laughs> below, like, I don't know, a six is, like, our, like, oh, we really didn't like this book that much. So we got six out of ten stars. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I started reviewing books and I readily give out fives because if I walked away and enjoyed it, awesome. I mean, I gave gave a couple four stars because, well, the personality did not match the personality of the people having sex. The the, (laughs) This character um, Mm -hmm. specifically was the characters were built so awesome. And then when it got to the intimate scenes, these were some different, different people, you know? So that took me away from the enjoyment, even though both were really good, it didn't blend together, but yeah, Mm -hmm. I'm like, everything gets a five if I really enjoyed it. (laughs) Absolutely. It's just, yeah. You only get fives out of a year, you know? Yeah, there's some, yeah, some people, some readers are very stingy. They're like, if I don't absolutely love it, it doesn't get a five. And I'm like, 
did it do it? Like, did I get enjoyment? And did I not have to think about reality for an X amount of time? Cool. Then it's five stars. It did its job. <laughs> if if I, for any reason, got a little bit bored, then okay, we're maybe hitting a four. <laughs> right. And there's only been a couple that we just straight up don't finish. But And then I don't review because I'm just yeah. like, ah. Right. No, I don't review right there. if I don't like it or don't finish it. That's okay. It's for somebody else. And that's yeah, somebody, yeah. Where I believe my books are not for everybody. You know, and the minute I say romance, lots of eyes go into the back of their heads, you know, and that's fine because I am not going to read, it, you know, it is boy. fine, but I wish people had a broader understanding of romance. Yes. Like, that's the piece that I, that we still like. That's why we do the podcast and why we want to be so, yeah. if, you know, effusive in sharing books like this and sharing what we read because you hear people hear romance and they just think, oh, it's kissy. And it's every single relationship in your life. Like it's a relationship. It's more than just romance. It's relationship. Yeah. And that's human. Yes. And there isn't a book, even the crazy horror ones that don't have relationship in them. Like it may not be a love yeah. one, right? but there's a human relationship. And there's something about that, that, you know, it's like turned up for the romance books, but people get very narrow minded about them sometimes and like try to just put them into one box. And I'm always like, you got to give it more. There's so much to the genre. It's got so many sub genres. And so maybe you don't like the super smutty or maybe you don't like the super sweet. You want something with edge, but there's all of that somewhere in romance. And I agree. There is, it is hard to find any story out there that does not have a relationship. And Mm -hmm. most of them have some sort of romantic one alluded to or something. And the new books that I'm writing, it, it pinpoints out a whole lot that, you know, you can't find a movie that doesn't have something. They're, they're going through uh, rom-coms. It's about rom-coms. And they're like, oh, that's got a, you know, he'll point out a sports movie. Ah, yeah, those two people got together. Remember that? Oh, yeah, these people. Yeah. And so it's it's kind of my play on going backwards on that. Oh, you don't like romance? Well, you're, you know, Jerry Maguire. Mm-hmm. It's a romance. <laughs> Exactly. I'm reading a space book right now, a sci-fi to sleep in a sea of stars by Christopher Pellini. And the whole, like for the past, like a couple of, it's an audio book. So I'm doing it and listening to it. But for the past, like, I don't know, 12 hours, I've been like, those two are in a relationship. They're about to bone. And then they do. And I was like, this is not just a sci-fi book. This is a straight romance with sci-fi tendencies. (laughs) And I think that's a part people don't understand. And I, and I try to, I breach it that way. Okay. So that is a horror story with a romantic element. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so yeah, I, this, it's a great genre and we just, we have to be the, the cheerleaders for champions it. for well, it. I thought about yeah. that yesterday that, you know, cause I keep seeing all these things about, I read smut, whatever. And to me, then I get all like all offensive. It's not just that. I know there's a story in there, but then I had the whole epiphany of, okay, then we have to normalize that. Like so many things Mm -hmm. we have to normalize mental health. We have to normalize taking care of yourself. We need to normalize that what we have termed smut is intimacy is, Mm -hmm. is things that we all get to enjoy behind closed doors. And we're not going to come out and go, guess what we just did. But it's in that (laughs) book. So it's kind of like, we, we just need to normalize that These are the things that happen and it's not dirty. It might be written Mm -hmm. to get us all steamy, but it's, it's normality. It's part of Mm -hmm. relationship whether it be romantic or not, it fills a need, all these things. So yeah, even just yesterday, I was like, oh, we need to normalize. 
Absolutely. And I think that's part, like, because it has become, like, the rallying cry for a lot. Like, I read smut. And I think it's taking back what would normally, I think, be a negative term and, like, read, like, kind of transitioning it and owning it instead. Like, you say what I read is just smut. But in reality, it's this relationship that may be Mm -hmm. romantic or not, depending on the story between people and that's yeah. that's the piece and i love that people are taking it back and owning it and putting it on freaking bags and t-shirts and books and like you know smut, well, smut readers and stuff i think that book talk is helping you with that too with these um influencers who are taking the time to do that to the books to do all of the different things because they're pointing out yeah here's all the sexy great stuff here's the part that tore me up here's the part that mended me back they're getting that word out there so yeah they're saying well this is hot these people are real too you know i mean you know the fictional Mm -hmm. the emotions are real and so i really do think where let's go back a few years to 50 shades where we're like that is not a contemporary romance where you have stuck it and put us all down here on your list you know (laughs) oh i do have pictures of screenshots where my book was ahead of them it was (laughs) But I think what she did was she opened the world to reading. People that weren't reading picked up those books. People that weren't reading went, oh, there's more to to literature than just what we had been prescribed to read. So mm-hmm. where I'm not a fan of the writing, I'm not a fan of the books, she did something that opened up that world. And and then it started a discussion. People are like, that's really not how... I, I was on a panel in um, Reno where a gal came in and we started talking about 50 Shades. And she goes, people that are in that lifestyle, that's not how it works. And it was like... People are coming out going, oh, hey, I live this lifestyle. This is different. But it opened so many doors. And then, yeah, then it became more smutty, whatever. So now it's like, okay, so let's normalize what that means. What, you know, mm-hmm. So I really think that these book talkers are doing that by showing all the sides and, and in colorful ways. too. Oh, such colorful ways. And like right now, one of the big discussions seems to be the more traditional romance cover versus the discrete covers that are coming along now. Like a lot of romance now has, they're calling them discrete. It's just a cover with like, you know, flowers and like stuff on it. And it doesn't scream romance. It doesn't have Fabio, the old traditional like Harlequin shirtless man on the cover. And so now I've seen a lot of back and forth between like with readers and with authors on like, what do you prefer? Do you want to hide it? Or should we be proud and be like, yeah, here's my book with a half naked dude on it. And I don't care (laughs) if you see it. (laughs) When I first started the very first book that we, um, that I had contracted out and she's like, okay, who do you want on the cover? I went, I don't want people. Cause I was that way. I'm like, I do not want some bodice ripping scene on the front of my book. That is not what I write. And I don't want Mm -hmm. to write that way. Mm -hmm. So I was able to talk her into um, that series is, is, um, oh, they're cellists. So it had, it had musical instruments and the series uh, when we made those books that that was the thought behind it is that it would have those kind of covers with no people. And then as I grew a readership, they're like, where's the people? I'm like, I don't want the people. They're like, well, we want the people. And I was like, okay, interesting. So from there became, um, if you look at the branding of all my books, most of them are a couple in either the kissing or holding. They're nothing graphic, but that became my signature of of what it was because that's what my readers asked for. So now that the book covers are specifically in this genre, going to these illustrated cartoony ones that are 
some of them are awful and they're <laughs> on the number one best selling books, you know. I'm just like <laughs> Book Lovers by Emily Henry, you know. I'm just like, yes, worst cover ever, but it absolutely depicts exactly what the book is. And yet, and and I think it it threw me off too when I opened, you know, uh Love what was it? Life Hypothesis. I'm like, oh, this isn't all nice and sweet just because it's got cartoons on the front. So it's <laughs> totally, the whole industry is rebranded with this. And I'm jumping mm-hmm. in with that too, because I'm like, it's selling the books. It's it's a whole different thing. And it's and it's kind of like the mystery package. Oh, so what's in this cartoon package? You know, <laughs> And it's mm. different. But yeah, I it's totally going to that. And I'm like, oh, see, I was right 10 years ago. Take the people off. <laughs> I think that's funny because I love the tea shops cover and the new beginnings cover. And those are, they're drawn too. Like, I actually think that was what pulled me to it. Plus it's like really soft and I like yeah. holding it. But <laughs> that, matte, that matte cover on those. And that yes. was my, my purpose on doing those with illustrated covers was because then it was different. It said paranormal compared to my, mm-hmm. my regular. So, you know, then I screwed everything up on the bookstore one. But <laughs> And the next one. No, I'm making making my argument. Okay, so this book is totally <laughs> paranormal because there's for sure magic <laughs> happening in this bookstore. And Leona can, has magic. You can add it to the list and say Kalina said so. She's, um, <laughs> my, I think my editor would agree. So I will admit that when I started it, like I said, I didn't think that there would be three stories. That wasn't necessarily my plan. But I do think I that my intention was that Leona had a little gift. You know, yeah. and so um, as I started to kind of sprinkle that through and then lose it, my editor was like, um, what about she knew this or she knew that, you know, so some of mm-hmm. it had to be, you know, pulled through um, because I think mm-hmm. that I lost that vision early on when I decided that Leona was going to be a character in this. Mm-hmm. So, uh, or, mm-hmm. I mean, have her own story. So, uh, but it's nice to know it's still, if that feel is still there, that she knows. Grandma Ellen knows. There's just that, yeah. that sense of, you know. I honestly, there was a moment where I was wondering, I was like, man, what was the lady's name from Tea Shop? Because I was wondering if Ellen was her, uh, like, from, like, the right. future. Like, oh. like, years in the future if Ellen was. <laughs> but then, of course, their love story wasn't the train and all of that, but... There was a, just a small moment where I was like, is Ellen the lady from the tea That's shop? Sweet. I never put that together. That's <laughs> cool. she's not, it turns out. But <laughs> no, 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 no. I love but it that somebody would think because I'm like, oh, no, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Like, yeah, I was either thinking that that Leona had a little bit of magic, just a touch, you know, that kind of like redirecting thing. Or I also thought that the building might be Cupid itself, like have a Cupid, have a Cupid spirit that resided in it. I kind of worked the magic through the bookstore. Okay. Either way. Paranormal for me is. (laughs) Yes, do it. (laughs) That's better than like magic yoga pants because as soon as you put those on, her character changed. So I was like, oh, and and not like she just, because she's going through all of these trials with her dad and the building and stuff, but we just, maybe it's the magic bangles. Bangles. Maybe the bangles are magic. So I have, can I tell you my (laughs) private story about the bangles? Sure. You read a lot of my books and the women all have bangle bracelets that are, I don't want to say that are magical or whatever. They just have that, that personality that exudes from them, if you will. So we were at Taco Bell feeding our five ravenous children, right? And there's just this old lady in the corner. She's had her two tacos and she has on every bracelet she's probably ever owned. 
probably every ring, you know, she's just watching kind of the world go by. She gets up, moves to the door. My boys, because of how I've raised them, just, they're just good. But anyway, they had moved to the door to help to let her, you know, open the door to let her out. She gets out, she goes, she walks around her car, puts her cane in one side, gets to the other side, gets in, drives away. The manager of this of the 7-Eleven, let's go back to Taco Bell, um, <laughs> comes and gives them uh, those cinnamon roll thingies or the cinnamon twist things. And he just was complimenting them how nice they were. And he goes, she comes in here all the time. She's 99 years old. She lives across the street. And I remember just sitting there crying, thinking, when I am 99 years old, I want to drive my ass to Taco Bell and I'm wearing every <laughs> bracelet that I own all the time. So... The bracelets are my, my Zen are my, this is living life when you wear them all and when they bangle and when they make noise, (laughs) which you'll find a lot of my characters, they all wear bangle bracelets and they'll clink and, but that's my, my living life. It's very, very best to the very (laughs) end. You wear all the bracelets all the time. I love it. I'm all for it. I think that's actually really a beautiful sentiment. And and now that when your readers, you know, when they listen to this and they go read your books, yeah. they'll know. So they'll know the they'll lady on the Taco it. Bell. Yes, Taco <laughs> Bell. Live on forever. <laughs> well, all right. Well, I think we're kind of wrapping up. So we will now do the fun fuck fact and head basically hand this over to Bernadette to share. You know, your website, social media, what's coming out next for you? What, you know, what do you want people to find you at? All right. So I can be found. um, My website is BernadetteMarie.com. And most of my social media, um, Facebook, Instagram, you can find me at author Bernadette Marie. And what I am working on now is a trilogy. It's called the Rom-Com Movie Club. And I'm just I'm really loving this. It's actually about four friends who get together once a month and they have rom-com movie night. Whoever's house it's at, they pick the movie, they pick the food. They always do a facial mask and they always paint their nails. They wear pajama bottoms and a um, university sweatshirt or t-shirt. Both of the books so far that I've written and the third will follow suit. When they meet the guy, they are in their pajama bottoms with their university shirts on with the mask on, you know? So that's kind of the whole little funny trope, but it, it doesn't follow movies, but it has a whole lot of pull things out of the movies. Um, like when so-and-so falls in love, Oh, that's so sweet home, Alabama. Oh, you're having a breakfast at Tiffany's moment, things like that. So I have an entire list of all the movies that are being, um, listed in the books And then when, after they release, what I would really, really, really like to do is quarterly have a rom-com movie club with my readers where we'll talk about uh, the rom-com of the month, whatever. They'll be able to buy the face mask and the nail polish of the month. And we can do a Zoom call. Eventually, what I'd like to do is maybe bring in authors who write rom-com, do like maybe a half an hour with them, and then kind of party after that, if you will. So that's kind of where I want it to go with that book, that set of books. They're just, they're a lot of fun to write. And again, goes back to needing that sisterhood, needing that brotherhood, needing those friends that are there with you, no matter what you've ever been through. And they're going to be there no matter what kind of bitch you are. Their place, um, so it's it's just a lot of fun. So those should come out. Um, I keep pushing it down just a little bit because I want it to just be so perfect coming out. Um, so it'll probably be end of the year for that, and that's what I'm okay. working on now. 
Great. That sounds like so much fun. Yes. I love that. I, that's, almost, that's almost like our Friday nights that's, before we had kids, that's, that's right? What before we used Emily to and do I had kids. Emily and, yeah, and you. Yeah, we would watch. It was a rom com. Paint our toes. Paint our nails and just yeah. No, I am exactly a one rom com girl, and that is you yeah. know if if you ever in conversation with me, I will drop at least. One one liner in our conversation. So, you know, it's, it's very much this one, this set is very personal in that sense that, you know, I'm a child of the eighties. Those rom-coms have ruled my life. Mm -hmm. I have notes of upcoming books that I want to write. One being, you know, a, um, homage to Nora Ephron of you really screwed up my whole thought process on how this is supposed to work. So see if that comes to light, but um, I think it would be funny, but I, I like this lighter feel and still have that message. Like I said, I wanted to get out in books. It's still, it's still part of that, but with a nice airy feel of rom-com love. Yeah. That sounds great. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. This has been a wonderful yes. conversation and Having me. we really did. We just love this book and we're so happy you were able to come on today to talk about it. Thank you for having me. This was fun. Yes. Thank you so much. All right, guys. So that was our interview with Bernadette Marie. We're so happy to have her yeah. on and to talk about the Happily Ever After bookstore, which is now my new favorite bookstore, and I wish it existed. <laughs> Let's make it happen, people. Also, I specifically want the little magic piece because I like need to show up and have Leona fix my life for me. <laughs> Or at least my romance, like my my romantic life. Like, <laughs> why don't I have a magical bookstore I can go to where I meet the one? <laughs> well, you don't. Know, you never know. You'll venture out. Just don't wear yoga pants because that changes things. So, but that's all I want to wear every day, all I live. <laughs> They're so comfortable. I'm totally with you there. It's it really is. They really are. Okay. Yeah, that was so good. <laughs> I, I really, I mean, I enjoy our interviews, but that one was particularly fun. I loved Super it. Super good. Yeah. Super good. All right. Okay. Do so we I think we just do a quick kiss and tell where we just list. I think we kind of mentioned them, but like our mm -hmm. favorite mm -hmm. couple, our favorite story, because we didn't really go over as much of the actual book. So you guys are just supposed to have to read it. I mean, come on. Yeah. Come on. What do you expect from us? We can't do the reading for you. Do your <laughs> I think Price is my favorite guy. I honestly, I cannot tell you why. My favorite story is Leona and John's story, even though I resonated so much more with Fiona and Price uh, as far as like personal experiences go. Mm -hmm. But there's something about the, and I think in particular, John, his story with, you know, his wife had died giving birth to Sean, the, the youngest of his two between Penny and Sean. And even though he kept his kids a secret <laughs> until the very end of the book, really you know, like that, that's not cool. Don't, don't do that. But I think there was so much more in depth with their story. And I, I mean, he found a connection to Leona where, you know, he wanted to buy the building and he was already falling in love with her and stuff. And I don't know. I like how everything played out, except for that small bit where he didn't tell him about the kids, <laughs> tell her about the kids. But I don't know. I just I really uh, that one made me cry. That one made. Well, they all made me cry. But that one for. Her. Yeah. I think that I'm most associated with Leona, but their story didn't isn't my favorite. I think my the favorite is the Charlie Sadie story. Okay, like I liked I liked Fiona and Prices. I just I think I didn't understand why they separated. 
<laughs> like it just like the 10 years apart, I, you know, obviously it's, it's yes. the path they needed to walk through together, but it just didn't like, even they were like, I don't know, we just went away <laughs> and now we're back. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, you know, that one's, it was good, but it's not my favorite. I think Charlie and Sadie, cause it was really, you could see in their life how they needed that, like how it was the right timing for them, you know, to, to find yeah. each other and come together. There was something about that story. And I, I don't know if that one made me cry the whole fucking time. <laughs> um, but I do associate more with Leona, obviously, like closer in age, closer in life experience and history. And I just felt that for a short, uh, like a quick love, I had the harder time accepting that story. So that's why it's not my favorite. Uh, John and Leona's? Yeah. Okay. Because I feel like they, w- I could still see them falling in love. I just feel like it needed to take more time. <laughs> Whereas okay. I get, I'm like on board for Charlie and Sadie being like, whatever, let's throw caution to the wind and just yeah. get married. And and Fiona and Price, it's there's, you know, why wait? You've already been married for 20 exactly. years and then divorced for t- 10. So just do it, you know, make it a quick love story again. Mm-hmm. So, but I think the, the Leona John piece, I was like, uh, you guys need like another couple of months. And then, I'll, <laughs> then I'll be on board. <laughs> yeah i could see that i think in fiona and price's defense though i mean i think you make a good point about them why why break up and start all over i think there was probably and it wasn't written in here but this is my personal opinion about it is that there might have been that i guess in the background maybe because he made that choice to go with music instead of their relationship that there could be the possibility for them to find a different love somewhere else you know i mean she'd already accused him of infidelity the whole time even though he didn't do anything and that's not really yeah. relationship is just probably you know it's I just guess I can but. see that like I can see her sabotaging it in an effort to give him because mm-hmm. there's one line where she's like well you deserved a family you you know so yes. maybe it's like she broke the relationship to give him a chance to maybe find someone who he could have kids with mm-hmm. but the, like in the book it just kept saying like he chose music he chose music but I was like she's a writer travel with him <laughs> like you know I just it didn't <laughs> him being in a musician on the road didn't seem insurmountable for that particular couple. Like it didn't tie you him know? down in a certain way. Yeah. Or or her like she or her down. She yeah. she didn't have to run a business in a specific location right there every day like then she can't leave she's a writer they're both fluid go and- on the road <laughs> you know <laughs> i do think that Thank there's that you. aspect of the infertility because i went through that with dan I, oh yeah i told him to leave me i said go find yourself someone who can give you babies and this was you know after 10 years of marriage well eight years of marriage you know and i was dead serious he did laugh at me but it wasn't because he thought i was funny he's just he's like dude we're going we're doing this together i'm not gonna leave you and you know so i could see that too i mean i think that's the reason why because fiona was trying to give him that because she loved him so much and they have a good relationship or they had one except for that you know he they chose that path at first but she she was i think in the back of her mind trying to give him that opportunity to find the truth because they it wasn't like they didn't want it they tried six times it didn't happen so or you know who knows how many oh yeah it's yeah. true how many times no i get you i just yeah there's i was like i like it but it's not my favorite sure yeah 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 oh i'm not trying to convince you no, I know. <laughs> I know you're not. So that's good. Because yeah, yeah, I think typically Charlie's and Sadie's wouldn't normally be my favorite, but it definitely was when I read this book. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's so like it's so young and fresh, just like Bernadette was saying, they have now the rest of their lives to get to know each other and learn something new. Sometimes you learn new things about somebody that you've been with for 25 years and you're like, oh shit, I totally didn't know that. All right. <laughs> 
That's good. Okay, so <laughs> we should rate the book. Now, there is no sex in the book because it is a clean romance. It is, but there were some good kissing scenes and like pushing them up against the door and Especially coming John up and behind Leona. them. Yeah, yes. Yeah, there was some there was some sexy like kisses in that mm-hmm. scene, in that story. I'm but really, yeah, yeah, no no sex that we no. can can rate on. There was always like and then they were gone for the night. <laughs> sure. You know, and like, yes. I, and you're like, I know what happened. I mm. can write that story. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we'll just do, yeah, we'll just we'll just it. do the, the the book overall. And while we get three different stories, these are all they all it's live the in the same world. It's yeah. the book as a whole. I'm gonna give this one a nine. I think I I really really enjoyed it. Any book that makes me cry is gonna be way up there for me. <laughs> Absolutely. I I absolutely agree. Uh, The first night I started it, I read 40% (laughs) and was just going to finish it. But I was like, shit, that's going to be a bad morning. I have to stop. (laughs) I have to sleep. (laughs) I have to sleep. And so I slept. And then I proceeded to read it the next, the rest of it the following day, just in one shot. So, yeah, I read this as fast as I could and <laughs> didn't want to put it down. I was so invested in it. So that's that tells you it's a mm-hmm. good story. So you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's we'll, one. We'll give it a nine. Yeah. And then what's next for us? All right. So for our next book, guys, we are going to read Unclaimed by Eighty Award. We've done Eighty's books before, and so this one is. Oh shit! Of course, I didn't write down the series hmm. that it belongs to. Uh, the fate of the Wolf Guard. Okay, I'm gonna double check that, but I'm ninety percent sure. I'm that sounds good that. to me. Fate of the Wolf Guard. Yep, Fate of the Wolf Guard, and it is a reverse harem. I think it's her first reverse harem. Um, so. We just, you know, we love the 80s books and we wanted to get into it with this one. So, yeah, we're it's unclaimed. That's the one we're reading. Yeah. But she's got, I think there's going to be four total and three are already out. Maybe even the fourth one. I'm not sure. I'll I think by the time before this, the episode. Yeah. Yeah. Before the episode comes out. So, yeah. Unclaimed by 80 Award. Get it. Read it. And join us for our next episode. Yes. Do it. In the meantime, we'd love to hear from you guys. You can reach us on social media at Sturdy Books. That's Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter if you feel like it. It's a cesspool of evil, but that's okay. Um, (laughs) I don't know how to use it anyway. (laughs) We don't use Twitter. I mean, we're on it, but that's only because it does it for us. Yes. Yeah, or you can email us directly at sturdybooks at gmail.com. And in all those places, it is sh with three H's. And you can visit us on our website at sturdybooks.com and most places that you can find podcasts. Thank you, Jim Townsend, for your music. And with that, we'll say goodnight. This is Saylet. And this is Kalina. And we'll see you later. Bye. Bye-bye. Yeah, you've been listening to Sh Reading Dirty Books with Kalina and Saylet. Be sure to tune in to the next episode. Get some more of your dirty books read to you. And if you're listening on a format that allows you to give a rating, please do that for them. <laughs>